to have a, a seat, and so great to, to be with you today. Um, I'm thankful, as you can see and report, that we are back to two projectors. We've been with one projector over here for, for quite some time, so um, I will no longer turn to my right to a blank screen. This is a great thing for me this morning, uh, but grateful to, to have um, those back up and running again, but a great reminder, I think, for us that technology is great, but we do not need it to gather for, for church, So, but we're blessed for it this morning. Uh, my name is Corey, and I serve as the teaching pastor here at our, our Plain City campus, and if you're new to LifePoint, welcome. We're so glad that you're with us. I want to let you know that there are message notes for, for today. You can access those by typing lpguest.com into the web browser of your phone. That's lpguest.com. Or you can scan that QR code on the back of the chair in front of you um, to access those notes. While you're there, you'll also notice there's a a digital guest card that takes less than 60 seconds to to fill out. Um, At the bottom of that digital guest card are five ministries we're already partnered with. You can choose the one that means the most to you, and we will make a $5 donation in your honor. That way you can do something good and kind just for being with us today. Well, and if you're coming back next week, and I hope you are, I want to just encourage you, go ahead and just download the LifePoint app. On that app, you can access the message notes a a little quicker. Um, You can keep up with events and all all that's going on there. Um, Well, we're currently in our series called Playlist. We're in the book of, of Psalms, and we have a big idea for this whole series that's running throughout. And it's this, that God writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. That God writes the lyrics of our souls in the Psalms. That much like uh, the playlist, the musical playlist that we put together, the, the Psalms encapsulate and they communicate the different feelings and failures and hopes and, and moods and emotions and circumstances of the writers regarding their situation. And the result for us today is the Psalms have something for you and something for me regarding every season of life. And today we're going to be in Psalm 81. And so I want to encourage you, if you've got your Bible or your Bible app, to go ahead and find Psalm 81 and track along with us today. As you're making your way there to Psalm 81, just um, was thinking about how often, how often we forget things, right? I don't know if you're like me, but there's these moments, right, where somebody comes up and says, hey, so what did you do last weekend? And it's Monday, right? What did you do last weekend? And you can't remember a thing. You can't remember Friday. You can't remember Saturday. You just stand there scratching your head like somebody asked you the final question in Jeopardy, and you're just, there's nothing. There's nothing, right? That's why I never watched Jeopardy. I was, I was out, right? So, um, or have you ever gotten this one? Hey, so what did you guys eat for dinner the other night, right? And it's, it's gone, right? It's three meals away and you can't remember it. It's like someone brought Common Core math back. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing there, right? You can't remember. Not only that, I was thinking about this also, that how many times we make a huge deal when it comes to sporting events, right? Whether it's... Um, whether it's March Madness or the playoffs or the championship game or something. And we have parties and we have people over and we've got all this food and we're fired up about who we want to win. And then the game's over and we're all upset about who didn't win. And then three weeks later, we're like, no clue. We can't even tell you who played in the game. We can't even tell you what the score was. You just, maybe we had chips and dip. I don't know. Like, it's gone. And so in thinking about that, about us, I think, we 
we forget what we need to remember a lot of times, and we remember what we should forget. Have you ever found that in, in your life? I've, I know I've found it in mine. That, and in the midst of that, I think today we would all agree there's some things in our lives that are just too good to forget, that are too important to forget, that we should always remember and, and, and not lose sight of. Well, in Psalm 81, God's people are being instructed on just that, that there are some things that have happened in their life and in their relationship with God that is just too good and too important for them to forget. And now Psalm 81, it's connected with what's called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And you're like, what is that and why is it important to me today? Well, you see, the Feast of Tabernacles was instituted by God for the people of Israel, check this out, to remember what God had done in delivering them from Egypt. What God had done in providing and protecting for them for 40 years in the wilderness. And so this feast was to be celebrated every single year, sometime in late September to mid-October. And it was a celebration of joy for what God had done for them. And so Psalm 81 winds up becoming this thanksgiving psalm where the people are to give thanks in a form of worship for God's mercy and for God's goodness and for what he's done for them. And so this is kind of our background in the context of where we're at in this psalm today. And what we're going to do is we're going to break it down into a few sections and see what it means, but then also see what it means for us. So we're going to look at verse 1. Starting in verse 1, we see the psalmist instructing God's people to a call to praise God for what he is. A call to praise God for what he is. It says, sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp, blow the trump at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. So go ahead and keep this up there, guys, if you would, because here's what we see. Right in verse 1, the psalmist is calling the people, God's people, to lift their voices. He says, sing aloud. And then he says, shout for joy. He follows it up in, in verse 2 where he says, raise a song. This means skillful music was to be played and he mentions the tambourine right then he mentions the lyre and I think I think we got a picture of this because this is where it encouraged me right this is what a lyre looks like he also mentions like the the harp and the trumpet here but as someone who likes to dabble in playing guitar in in his spare time right to me this lets me know man there were guitars all the way back in psalm right this is what the, you turn that sideways and what does it what does that look like it looks like a guitar right it was there it was there but what we see right out of the get-go is God is there and the people are encouraged to raise their voices and to raise mu music together in praise for what God is to them. And just what is God to them? Verse 1 says, he is their strength. He is their strength. And then it says, he is the God of Jacob, which is just another name for, for Israel. And so Having that name means God is their personal God. Right, again, let's not forget, this is associated with the Feast of Tabernacles here. It's a time of, of remembering how God proved to be personal and, and close with them in delivering them from Egypt and providing for them in the desert and caring for them in the wilderness. That God showed that he is their strong God 
by fighting their battles for them, by giving them the ability to, to act valiantly and, and victoriously. And so here they are called to praise God for what he is to them. But also notice there in, in verse 3, they're called to, to praise and to worship and to give thanks at a very specific time. It says, blow the trumpet at the new moon. Blow the trumpet at the full moon and on our feast day, right? God knowing just how forgetful his, his people can be, he gives them an appointed time to remember, an appointed time to praise for what he is to them. And so this makes me think about us, right? Because for many of us, um, we come to Sunday or we've grown up in, in church and, and don't miss this, right? Don't, don't, don't miss this. We come to Sunday and we have this one uniquely appointed time in our week to what? To lift our voices together collectively as an assembly of God's people, young and old together, that doesn't take place any other time during the week. And we do it with what? Skillful music. That's what our team was just up here doing, to sing praises to God in order to what? Remember, to give thanks, and to, to, to declare what he is to us. So here's the tough question today that we gotta reflect on, that all of us have to ask especially when it comes to these moments of singing praise back to the Lord. Am I singing praise to God and am I singing to declare what he is to me or am I just standing here each week just singing? It's a tough question, but I think it's a relevant one for all of us, especially in this day and age where we have access to especially praise and worship music all, all the time. We can just turn on the radio stations, set up a playlist for ourselves, right? Because the reality for us when we sing, God is, God is a personal God to us too today. That he is near to you and I today. That he is our strength today. Just like he was with Israel. That he is willing and able to, to be our very present help in our time of need. To fight our battles for us. To enable us to act valiantly and victoriously also. <clears throat> and here's the amazing thing. He is willing and able to do all that, right? And the question for us is not if God is this way, because he is. The question for us is do we give him the thanks and praise for it? Which means we don't spend the time we just spent together singing to fill up space, to fill up time, or to go through routine. Rather, it's a time to stir one another up in remembrance and unified declaration and offering thanks and giving praise to God. And, and I gotta say this one because this one falls in, in, in my category. God doesn't care how you sound, right? Let me just, let's just remove that hurdle today. God doesn't care how you sound. You're like, how can God not care how I sound? Well, let me quote scripture for you. Psalm 98, make a joyful Noise, yes, amen, there we go, let's go, right? Make a joyful noise, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the sound of melody. Make a joyful, a second time, noise before our King, the Lord. Praise God for this noise because this guy right here, I'm the noise. Anybody else the noise? That's me, there we go. I see a couple hands out there, right? 
Here, here's the reality for us in this that I need reminded of so often, not just in my singing, but in my life. We, you, and I, we have an audience of one. Not the people sitting around you, not who can hear you. We have an audience of one, and that audience is God himself. And here's what's so awesome. He is always ready to meet with us in praise and worship. The question is, may we be ready? Are we ready individually and collectively to meet with him the same, to offer up praise for what he is to us? This is what the psalmist lays out here in these first few verses, and he continues then, and he now gives a call to praise God for what he has done, for what he is first, and now for what he has done, what God has done. Verse four, for it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made it a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I re Relived, relieved the, your shoulder of the burden and your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder and I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Right? We see here that there's a statute or a rule of, of law put into place by God so that the people would, would give testimony or, or evidence and remembrance to what God has done for them. And in verse five, the, the, the psalmist takes the people back to what God has done for them, what he's done for them in Egypt. And he, he reminds the Israelites that they were strangers in an unknown land. And he reminds them like, God freed you from the burden of slavery, from oppression of the Egyptians, from distress and from forced labor and he draws them back to it with a very vivid memory where he says hey do you remember how you used to carry around those baskets all the time gathering straw for the making of clay bricks as you were whipped and forced to carry out those duties and then in verse 7 he reminds them of how God heard them heard them in their distress and God answered their their call for help and he answered their call for relief and he answered their call for deliverance and in the process, their memories would have got, gotten churning and going, oh my gosh, I remember all the wonders and the miracles that God did. I remember our amazing leaders in, in Moses and how God used them. And then God moves them a little further and he says, do you remember how I met with you in that secret place of thunder, a reference to Mount Sinai? God giving them the 10 commandments. And then he says, do you remember at Meribah where I trained you and I tested you and I miraculously provided water for you even though you were complaining and grumbling and an unbelieving people now here's what this means for us i think the bible so many times is a mirror to our story the scriptures so many times reflect ourselves right we see us in the pages of the bible and, and i'm reminded i'm reminded that in israel's story we see a universal story for all of us that we too were slaves, slaves to sin. The Bible tells us we were slaves to sin and to sin's bondage and to sin's oppression and, and we were distressed and we were burdened. And that's everyone because the Bible says all are born sinners, all fall short of God's glorious standard. And, and in that sinful state, what are we carrying around in our baskets, our guilt and our shame 
desperately in need of rescue and deliverance. But what's beautiful for us too, just like the, God heard the Israelites call, if and when we call on the name of, of God in the name of Jesus, God will hear us and he will respond and he will rescue us through his son, Jesus Christ. Where God's word tells us in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love that, you will be, no maybe, no might. That for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. One of the most popular verses that so many of us know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved, might be rescued from sin. This is what God has done for all of us. Therefore, may our praise give glory to God. May our praise give glory to God, serving as a testimony and evidence to what God has done for you and I. The psalmist gives thanks and he gives praise to God for, for who God is, for what God has done. And then we see the psalmist gives a call to obey God's word, a call to obey God's word. Verse eight, hear, O my people, while I admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I love that. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. I think Psalm 81 takes a turn right here. It takes a turn, it goes from the psalmist calling God's people to give thanks and calling God's, God's people to praise God to now all of a sudden, God himself speaking. God himself speaking through the psalmist to Israel. And it actually kind of starts this turn back in verse six where, where all of a sudden it goes to first person. Did you notice that? We start seeing God say, I relieved, I delivered, I answered. And then here in, in verse eight, he says, my people. In other words, God is, is what he's doing here in verse eight. He's saying, hey, all of y'all listen up, right? Hey, people, listen up. God says, I have heard your cry. I have heard your plea. I have listened to you and I have responded in delivering you from Egypt. And now God says, will you hear me? Will you respond to me? This is a personal call to obedience of God's word. Notice what, what happens here. Verse nine, he's reminding them of the, the very first commandment, that you shall have no other gods before or above me. What are the 10 commandments? They are God's word and will to his people. He's reminding them of this obedience to that. And then he follows it right up in verse 10. He says, open your mouths wide and I will fill it. Hey, if you just listen to me, I've got something for you. God's reminding them, not only have I redeemed you from, from Egypt, but I'm also desiring to fill you up, to satisfy you, to provide for you, to care for you. Remember, I'm your personal God, he's saying, your protector, your ruler, your benefactor. But verse 11 shows us there's a great tragedy. 
that God was ready and willing to bless his people, but they would not obey him. And verse 11 says, Israel says, I'm gonna have none of you, God. Israel says, I'm not gonna listen to you, God. I don't wanna listen to your word. I don't wanna listen to your ways. Israel was rebellious to the God that had so richly provided for them up until this point. And he was so ready to continue to do the same moving forward. So God says, all right, you don't want me? You don't want to listen to me? I'm going to give you what you want. You can have the desires of your own stubborn heart. You can follow your own ways. See, I think God's same invitation, God's same promise here, his same warning and the same repercussions are there for you and I today. We see in, in these words here that, that God is looking for listeners and doers just as well as he's looking for singers. Why is that important? Because God has said all throughout his word, he is not looking for empty praise from his people. He's looking for praise that is birthed from obedience to his word. Right? What, do, what do the scriptures tell us about God's word? Right? That they are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that they are a sure foundation that we can build our lives upon, that God's word has the power to convict us of sin, to teach us truth, and to lead us in righteousness, that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that if we hide it in our hearts, it, it aids us in not sinning against him. That when we neglect obeying and following the word of God, we're, we're neglecting the very thing that has power to change our, our lives. Obedience is huge in this because it's through obeying that God desires and promises to satisfy and to provide and to care for us. And so I want us to notice something here in verse eight. If we go back to verse eight, God tells Israel something and in turn tells us something. He says, if, did you notice that? One tiny little word, if, if you would obey me hey, these things will be yours. What a reminder here that God never forces himself on us, right? God never forces a relationship with us. He never forces his ways upon us. He's looking for our willful engagement, our willful buy-in, our willful obedience and surrender, that from the Garden of Eden all the way to the empty tomb, God is looking for that true love relationship that comes by us willfully entering into it with him. He's never gonna force that. And, and when we do, God's saying, hey, open your mouths and I will fill you up with things you can't imagine, right? I'll, I'll, fill you, I'll fill your hungry soul up. I will supply your needs. I will bring contentment to your life regardless of the circumstances that we cannot open our mouths bigger than he can fill. But our issues today are the same aren't they? They're just like the Israelites in Psalm 81 here. We so often choose not to listen to God. We so often choose to go our own way, to choose our own counsel. And the result in those moments that some of us have learned way, the, the hard way in our lives, the result is when we will not go his way, he will allow us to go our own way. Romans chapter one is a wonderful example of this 
where God has called his people to obedience and following him, but they don't give thanks and honor and glory and they don't follow and obey the Lord. And it says, therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity and they dishonored their bodies among themselves and they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served the the creature rather than the, the creator. We've all experienced this in our lives. I don't know about you, I can go back to growing up and I can go back to my, my parents' advice and instructions in my life. I can go to how I parent my two boys right now, right? Those moments where you're, you're either being instructed or you're instructing someone, hey, follow this and there's a good outcome for you, right? Follow this and, and, and there's blessing for you. Follow this and there is Less potholes, less harm, less regret, less hurt, less pain if you just follow this. But there comes a point. There comes a point and, man, repent to my parents, right? Because here I am now standing in in their shoes where I have to look at my two boys. And it's so hard because you want to love them and protect them where you go, hey, you know what? You want your own way. You don't want to listen. You got it go learn it the hard way. I'm going to give you exactly what you want. These are the I told you moments in all of our lives, right? From something as simple as, I told you the stove was hot, don't touch it. We've all learned that one. I told you don't stick your finger in that light socket, right? This is how this happened, y'all, okay? All right, just making sure you're still with me, okay? Those, I told you you should study for the test. Otherwise, you're not going to do well on it to serious moments of I told you to buckle up. I told you not to go to that website. I told you to not neglect your marriage. I told you to be honest with your employer. The example in our lives are are endless where the instructions led to good for us. And if we don't listen, they lead to harm. And it's the same with God that he will reach a point where he permits us to learn by the bitter results of our own folly if we choose not to listen to him. That one of the greatest judgments God can bring us is to simply leave us alone to our own stubbornness and our own foolishness. And that's hard to hear for us, I know. Some of us may not like that today, but can I give you the good news in that? That even so, there's amazing mercy and grace that God is instantly ready to give. That he's ready to take us back. He's ready to provide for us and guide us and care for us. And we see this in the last few verses of Psalm 81. And it's a call to keep close to him. A call to keep close to the Lord. Verse 13 says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways and watch this. If they would just do that, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him and their fate would last forever. Again, what does he want to do for them? I would feed you with the finest wheat and I would bless you with honey from the rock. Can you hear the affection in the Lord's voice there of wanting his people to come back to him, wanting his people to listen and obey He was so unwilling. He did not want them to fall. He did not want them to stumble. He wanted them to repent and listen and follow him. What a great reminder that that God desires all to be saved, that God desires all to experience his mercy and his blessing that he's got stored up for his people. 
That God here would, in Psalm 81, he was, he was so ready to forgive. He was ready to, to give them victory over their enemies. He was ready to give them the finest of wheat and honey from the rock. God was looking to make his people happy. He was looking to satisfy them if they only would keep close to him. And so much of what God wants for us today is tied up in the truth and the reality of these verses. That he calls us to keep close to him today by listening to him, by obeying him, by walking in his ways. And and one of the things that stood out the, the most to me in these last few verses, again, was just God's instant willingness to forgive, to go before, to go behind, to protect, to provide those who would just stay close with him. And here's where it got me, me thinking about us. That every single one of us fall. Every single one of us fail. Every single one of us choose to, to disobey God and not to listen to him and wander and, and drift. And in my life, I've, I've hit these seasons, and I don't know if you've experienced this, that in those moments of not listening and disobeying with God, I'm so worried about what God's going to do to me because I disobeyed. You ever found yourself there? How is he going to punish me? How is he going to discipline me? And that, that, that kind of, and fear is a good thing sometimes, but that kind of fear drives us to obedience. But here's what I was thinking about this week. And I put it in, in, in the notes for us today if you're following along. But what if the greatest tragedy in our disobedience is not the discipline of God, but in missing the blessing of God that he was ready to bestow upon us? Right, let me, let me flip that around and say it another way. What if our obedience was less driven by, by fear of what God will do to us if we disobey and, and our obedience was driven more by what God wants to do for us. Right? We've, here's what I mean by that. And, and I, I don't know if you ever thought about it that way. And I'm not talking prosperity gospel stuff at all. Right? I'm talking about, again, I'll go back to a parenting moment. Right? Your kid wants to go hang out with their friends on a Friday night. And you as a parent, you want to, like, great, you're going to go do that. But then somewhere during the week, your kid disobeys. And your kid messes up. And they had no idea that you were going to say yes to them. Go, go and hang out with their friends. But now that they've disobeyed, what, what happens, right? Oh, you're, you missed it. You can't, you, can't, you can't go. I can't let you go. Because now you're grounded, right? And a lot of times our brains get trained like, oh, well, I've got to do this because I'm going to get in trouble. But, but what if some of that obedience was driven by what was going to be done for us by, by God? That our good Heavenly Father has good plan for us. That he's weaving and working all things for our good. What if our hearts, what if our thanksgiving and our, and our praise was overflowing in obedience back to him, ready to receive what he has for us and then proclaim the blessings of God in our worship that he so richly and freely bestows uh, upon us. See, I think Psalm 81 here is not just a lesson for Israel, it's a lesson for us today. It's a call to praise God for what he is to you and I today, for what he has done for us today. It's a call for us today to obey God's word and to keep him close. So some reflective questions as we, we get ready to wrap up here in just a bit. When it comes to lifting your voice in praise as you leave, 
What's your approach to our time of song together? Are you holding anything back? Are you worried about what other people would think around you? Are you worried about your voice? Or are you sitting here just kind of judging music and the rhythm and the melody? Or is it time to declare what God has done for you? Is there any area of God's word in your life where, where you're approaching it flippantly, half-heartedly, or you're just picking and choosing what works for you? Anything in, in your life today that's keeping you from walking closely with the Lord? Right, and you're saying, I want those things. I want to be close. I want to obey. What, what can I do? I just give you maybe a simple application point that I think we see as a thread running through each week of this series. That regardless of the genre of, of psalm that we're looking at, there's been a thread each week, and I don't know if you've, you've noticed it. Ben kind of mentioned it to us as he was talking to us earlier. It's this, it's a call to remember. A call to remember. And we're back to where we started, right? Our forgetfulness that we remember the things we should forget and we forget the things that we should remember, right? Forgetfulness is a detriment to us when it comes to our relationship with God, to our fellowship of God, to our obedience and to our praise to God. And so looking at Psalm 81, I think we see that God put these feasts in place because he knew just how forgetful his people would be. And, and he knew just how important it was for them to remember all that he had done and who he is. And I think all throughout history, God's calling us to do the same, to remember, to never forget. Because here's the deal, the story of Israel here ultimately points to the coming Messiah, to Jesus Christ, who would one day offer deliverance to the world, to you, to me, from the bondage of sin and the bondage of death and the oppression of our enemy. And that he's given us his word to be, to be followed, which brings good for our lives. And how God today still promises to go before and go behind and protect and provide for us as we go through the wilderness of this life, of this world all while our hearts are longing to get to the promised land, to heaven, to just be in the presence of the Lord. But until then, he preserves us, you, me, his, his people, to be a testimony and to be a witness to him all while we wait for Christ's return. Don't miss this. To do what? to tabernacle with us, to dwell with us again in bodily form, setting all things right. Until then, we're called to remember what he's done. And so as we close our time together, we're gonna do something very specific that helps us remember. We're gonna take communion together. And so if you at this time, they weren't able to pick up some of the elements. Um, go ahead, you can head to the back and grab some of those. And we've even got some volunteers that can, can help you with that if, if you need it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up to the stage um, while folks are going to, to grab those. But why do, we, why do we take communion? What does Jesus tell us? He says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance 
of me. Communion is this time for Christ followers to not only celebrate what Jesus has done, to honor what Jesus has done, but to remember what Jesus has done. To remember, as we sang about earlier, the goodness of God. How God provided for us and rescued us and delivered us through Jesus Christ. That through the breaking of bread, it represents Jesus' broken body on the cross. And through the cup, it represents the, the shed blood for the sins of the world. And in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writes regarding communion. And, and he instructs those who follow Jesus not to approach this time lightly, but to examine themselves. To examine themselves before they partake in this remembrance. And so for just a moment, here's what I'd like to do for us today, that if there's anything you need to confess to the Lord, to get right with the Lord, to repent of, or just to sit and praise and remember because you have forgotten, I wanna just take a a few minutes just to be quiet, sit right where you're at, and do that. Just talk to the Lord however you need to talk to him right now before we take communion together. before Jesus went to the cross he met with his disciples and he took the bread and he gave it to them after he broke it he blessed it and he said take eat this is my body say that Jesus then gave thanks and he took the cup and he said drink of it all of you this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins Heavenly Father Lord we come to you today and Lord, forgive us for when we wander. Forgive us for when we disobey. Forgive us for when we forget. Lord, we praise you and give you thanks for how willing and how quick you are to take us right back. Lord, how great your mercy, how great your grace. And Lord, as we leave today, pray for us that today we would remember what you are in our lives, what you've done in our lives. I pray today that maybe you would give us a renewed commitment to obedience to your word and the desire to keep you close. Thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your provision in our lives. Thank you for wanting good for us. That even in the midst of difficult circumstances and a broken and sinful world, 
Lord, the ultimate good is coming. When we get to be with you face to face for all eternity, you wipe away every tear, every bit of sickness, every bit of evil. Lord, in the meantime, help our praise, help our worship, help our thanksgiving be a witness and a testimony for your goodness in our lives. As we sing in just a moment, Lord, may we sing in declaration of who you are and what you've done. Whether we know the song, don't know the song, may the words be a reflection of our heart and our gratitude toward you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.